All right, well, we've been in a series uh, called Endued with Power, talking about uh, the gifts of the Spirit and the moving of the Spirit and uh, being filled with the Spirit. But really, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, but we've, we've uh, you know, also talked about being filled with the Spirit and the fact that Jesus, when He was on the earth, He ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, in the anointing of God. He ministered not just as God, doing all those things, because if he did, there's no use in us talking about what he did as far as relation to us, because then he was, in a, and he is, in a class by himself. But if he did all those things that he did, um, just as, a, a, the, as God, then we have no hope of doing anything that he did. Let's read a few scriptures as we're um, getting into this. We're going to get started. Um, Actually, on some of the specific gifts of the Spirit tonight, Luke 24, 44. Now, we've put up these scriptures before, so we're going to go through these somewhat quickly. But uh, Luke 24, 44, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and the third day, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So Jesus said, wait for power. And that's what we're talking about. The Spirit of God is in us. He's upon us to do what we're called to do here. We're not supposed to be doing it in and of our own strength. John 14, uh, 12. We, again, you don't have to turn to all these. We put them, or we've uh, talked about them before. Go back and listen to the previous messages. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. So we talked about this. If there's no way that could be the case, we couldn't do greater works than him. and We couldn't do the works he did. If, we're, if he was God and he was doing them as God, we're done. We're not God. Anybody want to acknowledge? There is a person every once in a while, you know, that decides they're Elijah or Jesus or something. Well, I hope nobody in this room is one of those. We're, we're not God. We are children of God, thank God, but we're not the Son of God. And He walked on this earth, anointed by the Spirit of God. So He did those things, anointed by the Spirit of God, not just because He was God. We covered those things, covered that in the last couple um, times we were together. Whatever, verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But back in verse 12, notice he said, He who believes in me, the works I will do, he will do also. So this isn't just talking about the fivefold ministry. This is talking about disciples. Uh, Mark 16, verse 14, again, we read these. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. 
And these signs will follow those who believe. Notice that. These signs will follow those who believe. So believers qualify. If you're a believer, you qualify. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So these things are supposed to follow us as believers, not just uh, ministers, not apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. Uh, but everybody, you know, it's as the Spirit wills, and of course we can preach and teach faith, and people can get healed, and, and uh, uh, these, you can always um, receive in faith, but in, in general then, uh, you can also have the gifts of the Spirit in operation, and these can flow through any believer, it's as the Spirit wills. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1. Go ahead and turn there. While you're turning there, uh, could you go ahead and put up 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1? I'll just read this to you. You can look at it on the screen as you go in there uh, once you're done. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power." That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Verse 4, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So the power of God is supposed to be backing up uh, what we say and what we do as Christians. It's supposed to be a witness, okay? And so as we get into these we're going to get into the, the gifts of the Spirit specifically now. These are gifts that are um, given by God um, for a number of reasons. They are a witness. They, are, they can edify the body. Um, they are given for specific times. Uh, they, they can give, be given to help in specific times. Uh, but they're as the Spirit wills, but they are available to us, and we need to understand what they are and how they operate so we can recognize if there's something that God wants to use us in. So if we know what they look like or have a, an idea, then we can understand, wait a minute, this is what's going on. God wants to use me in this way. This is what this is. Now, let's read verse... Um, 1 of chapter 12 there, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Well, if the early church wasn't supposed to be ignorant, I don't believe God wants us to be ignorant. What does ignorant mean? It means you just don't know. Doesn't mean you're not intelligent. There are really, really intelligent people that just know nothing about God. Brainwise, they're intelligent, but they're they're ignorant. They don't know anything about God. As far as God, they're ignorant. There are three-year-olds that know more than them. Really. If a three-year-old understands who Jesus is, understands Jesus is good, that's a much more than a lot of educated people understand about God. 
Don't know Him. Well, that's just being ignorant. Well, we don't want to be ignorant of, of um, what God has given to the church, to the world, concerning spiritual gifts. So Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Well, he doesn't want us to be ignorant. So let's let God, through his word and the, his spirit, illuminate our hearts and minds so that we can be available to flow with him. You know that uh, you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diverse differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are, div there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, listing all these, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another their interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one as He wills. The gifts of the Spirit, these gifts, will always magnify Jesus and His Lordship, not any man. They will attract attention to Jesus not a person. That's one way you can tell if something is a genuine manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, is that it will magnify the Lordship of Jesus. If it brings attention to a man and exalts a man. I mean, if something miraculous is coming, of course the natural mind would say, and they did in the Bible, they would look at the person, but the, the, the men would always deflect it and say, look at God, but the, the thing in itself should not be magnifying a person. In other words, you know, if there's a word of, um, well, let's just say, it, it, well, without getting into this, we'll, we'll probably touch on this some, but if, if what somebody was calling prophecy, not telling the future, but just the simple gift of prophecy, which we'll cover more, that would be, um, it would be edification, exhortation, Comfort is what the simple gift of prophecy does. It, it builds up. Now, if, if somebody were saying they're prophesying, or they're, they're the simple gift of prophesying, but it's exalting a person and just saying everything about them and how great they are, that, that wouldn't really be, that wouldn't be prophecy. Do you see the difference? I mean, it, see, the, the, the gift would, would draw attention to a person, but the message should always exalt God. People that are untrained might think, oh, that person, they did that to the apostles. They said, what, they, they would want to worship them. No, then they said, no, no. But, but because they were operating the gifts of the Spirit. But the gift was, it was magnifying Jesus. It was magnifying His Lordship. That will always be the case. If you see something that's supposed to the gifts of the Spirit, but it's starting to bring attention to a person, that's how people can get off. That's how you could get off. That's how I could get off. Because it's all about Him. It's His power. What are we doing? What do we have to do? If it's a really a genuine, I mean, you're not healing anybody. You couldn't heal anybody by yourself. I couldn't heal anybody. I'm talking about, you know, you can maybe put a Band-Aid on their cut or something, but you're not healing them. You can put Band-Aids on people's cuts all day, but unless the body starts healing, 
right? It's not going to do any good. So there are three categories of these gifts. So we're getting into this. We're going to, uh, hopefully we're going we're to start, you know, into one tonight. But I want to, I'm kind of giving you an overview. There are three categories of these gifts. If we go back and read um, verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. So these are listed, but we categorize them. There's this... This is a good categorization, what I'm going to read you. Obviously, it's not broken down to this in that list. But for the sake of study and, and um, just identification, we can identify them this way. There are three categories of gifts. There are the revelation gifts. These are gifts that reveal something. And these are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. So there's, there's the revelation gifts that reveal something, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Then there are the power gifts, gifts that do something. The gift of faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healings. The gift of faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healings. Then there are the inspiration gifts, gifts that say something. Prophecy, different kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, we categorize these gifts to discuss them, but very often they work together. Okay? And sometimes the line is blurred. So if you get dogmatic about it and try to really, no, this was this and this was this, Back up, what's the point of everything? It's not, number one, the Bible doesn't categorize them like this. We're, we're, we're studying this to understand what's going on. Just because, if you try to draw a real fine line with, well, this is, this is the gift of healings, or this is working of miracles, this is the gift of faith. Sometimes they're working together, and it's hard to determine that. And you'll even say, certain people, you read after them, they say, they'll, they'll quote a certain uh, happening, and they'll say this was such and such, and you'll, you'll see somebody else quote that same verse, and they'll say it was this other gift. Don't get dogmatic about it, and, and don't get legalistic about it. What are we arguing about, or what are you getting up in arms about if we're talking about categorization of gifts of the Spirit? I'd much rather have it all operating, and we'll sort out what it is later. Let's, you know, somebody's raising from the dead, okay, then we can discuss after it which one. It's probably all three of them of the power gifts are in operation there, right? So let's just, let's have them operating. Let's not, see, knowledge puffs up. People want to go, this is all for the sake of understanding, not so that we can act like we know more than everybody. Well, this is what I categorize it. You know, we're, we're drawing from people that have gone and studied before, uh, you know, us and these things. So... It's good for the sake of discussion. So, for example, these gifts work together. Sometimes we call, uh, referring to a little bit what I was saying earlier, sometimes we call prophecy what is really a word of wisdom. Prophecy, we'll get to this, prophecy, the simple gift of prophecy, as in one of the, the rev inspiration gifts where there's prophecy, there's uh, 
the different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, it has no revelation, no foretelling. The simple gift of prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. But you may have inspired utterance, somebody's in, you know, in prophecy, but then a word of wisdom comes forth, which is talking about the future and is the mind of God. You could have a word of knowledge, but people will generally, they'll use the term prophetic, but that's, you can, are you talking about specific prophecy or are you talking about inspired utterance? There's certain times, I mean, any inspired utterance is prophecy. But people talk about prophesying and what they're really talking about is some event in the future. Well, that's talking about it generally versus specifically. One person talked about it like this, they were English, and said, you know, you could say we're ta you know, um, talking about tea. Well, what are you talking about? You could talk about in England and I've never been, and I've not had, you know, tea time in England, but they could be talking about, come and have tea. Why well, are you talking about that time, uh, you know, in the afternoon where they sit down and they're going to have some social and they're going to have something? That would be tea. But there's also then the bag of tea and different types of tea. So what are you talking about? So sometimes we say we're talking about the general and we're not talking about the specifics. So people say, well, they were prophesying. Well, they're not talking about the simple gift of prophecy. What they're talking about is an inspired utterance, and they're usually talking about somebody telling something about the future. So these work together, and just be, we, we don't want to be dogmatic about that. We, under, we want to understand that certain things come forth in different ways. So the gifts are in the order of importance within each category. You know, so in the Revelation, gifts, gifts that reveal something, the word of wisdom is, is the highest gift, the word of knowledge, and then the discerning of spirits. Now, what we have to keep in mind is the best gift is what is needed at the time, all the time. You know, if you need a healing and there's a gift of healing, that's the best thing, Your word of wisdom might not help you as much in that case, but the word of wisdom could tell you exactly what to do in order to get out. So the word of wisdom, which we're not going to get into tonight, even though that's the first one, um, is the highest in the revelation gifts. Then the power gifts, there's the gift of faith, working of miracles, gifts of healings, and then prophecy, because it's complete of itself, and then different types of tongues and interpretation tongues, those two go together. We're going to get into all of them. Um, <clears throat> but we're going to start with the word of knowledge. Even though the word of wisdom is listed first, we're going to start with the word of knowledge, and then we'll come back into the word of wisdom uh, later. So the word of wisdom, so verse uh, 8 we can put up verse 8, 1 Corinthians 1, 8. It says, For one is given, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. So the word of knowledge, that's what we're talking about. The word of knowledge is the supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts in the mind of God. The supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts in the mind of God. This is a part of God's knowledge. A word, not all of God's knowledge, just what He wants us to know at a given time. It's a word of wisdom. It is a supernatural manifestation 
as are all of the gifts of the Spirit. If one of them is supernatural, then they are all supernatural. If one of them is natural, then they're all natural. For instance, healing. People, you know, some, some uh, people will talk about, when they talk about the gifts of Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, when they talk about gifts of healings, they'll talk about, say, well, that's doctors. They talk about being natural. Somebody that can help heal. Well, these are supernatural gifts. Either they're all natural, then, or they're all supernatural. They talk about tongues being people that have studied a lot of languages. So, if that's the case, then every one of these other ones, working of miracles, then how do you naturalize that? Gift of faith, tongues and interpretations. So, they're either all natural or they're all supernatural. So, these, when you talk about a word of knowledge, it's not knowledge. So, some things this is not. It's not natural knowledge. It's not Bible facts. It's supernaturally given. In other words, you know, some people say, well, you, they have a lot of Bible knowledge, so they have the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. No, that you having a lot of Bible knowledge or you having a lot of knowledge, because then if it was just knowledge, people that aren't even born again could have the word of knowledge. But that's not true. This is a supernatural, and we're, as we go through these scriptures, some, we're going to get in some tonight. I believe we'll do some more next time. But we'll see some, you, you start to see what it is, how, how, it, how it's working. But it's not natural knowledge, it's not Bible facts, it's supernaturally giving. Given natural knowledge and Bible knowledge come from studying. You know, how did, if, you, if you've studied a certain subject or you have a certain vocation where you had classes or college classes, you, you, the knowledge didn't pop into your head, wish it would. How would it have nice if you had just taken a class and then you wake up the day before the test and it's like, bam, there it is. All right, I can take the test. But I don't know about you, that's not the way it happened for me. You had to study. You know, math. I loved math. And before tests, especially the type where you got to work equations, you know, I'd do 70, 80, 90, 100 problems just going through and you'd have the answers in the back, the odd answers, and just going through I actually enjoyed that. But how did I get, how, how would you get that down? In math, you just got to do a lot of problems. It's study. If you just hope that you're going to figure it out, usually you're not. Well, that's natural knowledge. There's nothing supernatural about it. Somebody could be adept at that, but it's not supernatural. It's a gifting. Maybe a natural gifting, but that's not what we're talking about. <clears throat> it's not natural knowledge of God through close communion with Him. So it's not just because you have a knowledge of God and as we get to know God more and walk with Him closer, we're going to have knowledge about Him, but that's not what this is. It's a supernatural knowledge of specific facts that are in the mind of God. Obviously, it's not everything God knows, but there are certain things. <clears throat> it's a word. So, let's look at one uh, Bible example. Revelation 1, verse 10. Revelation 1, verse 10. It says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. So this is John. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day on the Isle of Patmos, and Jesus appeared to him in a vision. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. 
what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars... Uh, which you saw in my right hand, and seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So this was, a man, this was manifest in a vision. Although this has some prophetic application for us today, the Spirit was revealing the actual state of churches in Asia. So he goes forward and talks about the different churches in Asia and their actual state. John could not have known this since he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. So he starts talking about the state of these churches. There's no way John could know that. That's a word of knowledge. It's something God knows... See, he could have given the, the state of every church everywhere. God knows that, but that's not what he talked to John about. Now later, which we're not getting into tonight, then he talks about what needed to happen with each church. That's a word of wisdom. But just, see, there was something John had no way of knowing that the Spirit revealed to him supernaturally. In this case, it was through a vision. That's a word of wisdom, or word of knowledge. Let's go and uh, look at Acts 9, verse 10. Another example. Acts 9, verse 10. So this is uh, Ananias, who was a layman. So in other words, he wasn't a minister. He was not apostle, an apostle as John was, whom we just read about. He wasn't an evangelist. He wasn't a pastor or teacher. The Bible just calls him a disciple. So the gifts of the Spirit, including the word of knowledge here, can manifest through any believer as the Lord wills. So this is 
If you recall the account, Saul was stopped on the road to Damascus, and he saw Jesus. Jesus appeared to him, and so he was blinded by the light. And so uh, this is after that. And so, um, so then Ananias uh, has this vision. Verse 10, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision. So the Lord appeared to him in a vision. He said, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. Verse 11, So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Now, go look at verse 11. So it says, the Lord, can you go back to verse 11? It says, the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight. Now, we're going to see this again later. Part of this is a word of wisdom. But the beginning, he says, arise and go. He's talking about what to do. That's, a word of, that's part of a word of wisdom. We said these work together. But these parts where he's calling specific facts, there's no way Ananias could know these things. He says, go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Do you see these things? He's giving Ananias specific things that Ananias does not know. For behold, he is praying. How could Ananias know that Saul is praying right then? There were people all over that are praying. God knows who's praying everywhere, but he told him one. See, that's a word of wisdom. It's a specific fact that there's no way, I don't care how much you studied, you're not going to know that. It'd be like right now, somebody is doing something, you know, on one of the streets, you name them in Andover, and you know it. And there's no way, you know, you don't have surveillance on them or anything, you just know it by the Spirit of God. That's a word of wisdom, or word of, excuse me, word of knowledge. Ananias couldn't have known the facts any other way than supernaturally. He knew it by the word of knowledge. And this is the knowledge that he needed at this time. This is what Ananias needed to know. So he said, Arise, go to the street called Straight, inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. There's no way he could know that. God is telling him what Saul saw in a vision. There's no way. He knows that except supernaturally. All right, let's look at another one. Acts 10, verse 9. So just go to the next chapter in Acts. Acts 10, verse 9. So now this, this is an account of, or earlier in the chapter, account of Cornelius. Cornelius was a devout man. He, he, gave, um, he gave gifts. 
uh, in God's name. He, he did a lot, but he didn't know about Jesus. And so there was experience he had. And um, so he had sent men to Peter, or to, to, to locate Peter. And he had a supernatural experience that caused him to do that. And so this is picking up where Peter is and how God communicated with Peter so that he would be doing the right thing in, in relation to Cornelius. So verse 9, Acts 10 verse 9 says, The next day as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he came, became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheep, bound at the four corners, descending on him and let, da let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts and uh, creeping things and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, came to him, and a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up to heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision meant, or what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had seen or had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry, inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Verse 19, while Peter thought about the vision. So he is still thinking on the vision. The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, nothing doubting, for I have sent them. Now, this is getting in again. There's a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. But the part where it says, Behold, three men are seeking you. Peter did not know that there were three men seeking him. He was thinking about the vision. That's what he's thinking about. And the Spirit told him. Didn't say he heard them. Didn't he say, you know, there they are. It says the Spirit told him. Well, if they're there, why does he need to tell them if they're just so odd? No, he, he knew this. He's up on the house praying, and he got it from the Spirit, told him something that at that point where he was, he could not know. He's thinking about something. God told him something supernaturally. Now, he told him that. He said, there are three men seeking you. Arise, therefore, and go down with him, doubting nothing. Now, that's different. That's not just knowledge. That's do this. But that part about there are three men seeking you, he said, doubting nothing, for I have sent him. Even if there's three people, he's saying, again, I've sent them. Well, he didn't know that. How is he going to know that? Three people show up. God tells you I sent them. Well, that's another you know, part of something that there's no way he could know. Now I want to just give you a couple examples. Uh, Brother Hagen relates these, a couple examples of some accounts in um, just our present day. And then I believe we'll get into some more scriptural examples next week, I believe. But here's an example of a Baptist minister um, being led to stop and get a Catholic priest filled with the Holy Spirit. So, I'm just going to read you um, how Brother Hagen related this. He said, Many years ago, a Spirit-filled Baptist brother, who was the president of his local chapter of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship and one of the executives for the company he worked for, 
told me of an experience he had along this line. He related, I passed by a large Roman Catholic church in my automobile, and something seemed to say to me to stop. I pulled into the church parking lot, stopped, and sat there praying for a little while. Now, as we're reading, we're going we're to go through a couple of accounts. The reason we're looking at this is because we don't want to be ignorant. And we were looking at some, script, some um, scriptures in the, the Word, and we're going to look at a couple examples. We'll look at more scriptures again. But the point is, we want to bring this to where, what would it look like for us? What are we, what if something is happening, what, what, how do we flow with this? That's the bottom line. We want to be able to practically apply these things. It's great, we're learning about it, but if it just becomes knowledge and, and we don't act on it, then it does limited good, but it's not a, of great value. So this man pulled over into the church, church parking lot. He stopped and sat there praying for a little while. Then that, that something seemed to tell me that the priest would be praying in his office in the rectory and that I should go in, lay hands on him, and he would be filled with the Holy Ghost. I hesitated, the Baptist brother said. I didn't want to make a fool of myself. Well, you can see that. So he has pulled over. He feels like he's supposed to stop and pray. He pulls over in this parking lot, and he, he believes that, that, that something, on the inside is, something on the inside of him is telling him that the priest is praying right then. Well, that sounds like what we heard with Ananias. But he doesn't want to just go in. I mean, you could relate. So he's got, he wants to make sure. So I didn't want to make a fool of myself. I sat there and prayed a little while longer. Then I decided it wouldn't hurt just to see if I could find him and see if God was really leading me. Too many times folks get things messed up, this is commentary, because they get ahead of God when he speaks to them instead of waiting and following him softly and letting him open the door. The Baptist brother continued, I finally found my way in and knocked on the door of the study. Someone invited me to come in. I opened the door to see a man sitting in a chair in front of a desk with some books open in front of him. As I entered, the priest got up and greeted me and we introduced ourselves. The Baptist brother said, when the priest heard that I was president of the local full gospel businessman's chapter, he immediately said, praise the Lord. I was just reading about what God is doing in these days by the moving of his spirit. This is a Catholic, Roman Catholic priest. I was reading about this baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues, and the Lord just witnessed to my spirit that this is what I need. The priest said to the Baptist man, I am conscious of my own spiritual lack. Only 10 minutes ago, I bowed my head on my desk and said, Dear Lord, I don't know any full gospel people. I don't know anyone in town who has had this experience. Send somebody by to pray with me. And here you are. That priest got down on his knees and laid, uh, and he, this Baptist man laid his hands on him and he began speaking in tongues almost instantly, lifting both hands to heaven. Then the priest got up and hugged him uh, because he was so grateful. It was the word of knowledge and manifestation that revealed to this Baptist brother that there was a priest in that particular church who was praying to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not a fairy tale. This is for you and me. We're supposed to be equipped with this. We hear specific things. Now, it's as the Spirit wills, but if we're open, I mean, he could have been like, he could have blown it off, not stopped. Then he could have stopped and said, ah, that's just me and gone on. 
But the fact that this man prayed and God answered and said, sent this man, prompted. See, somebody, do you think God did not want to help the Roman Catholic person, but he needed somebody that would be sensitive and know what was going on and listen to him so he could meet that need? How much of that is going on in the world? God wants to do something, but we're, we got to get... We got to get to this appointment. Now, I'm not saying we, we keep our appointments, but that where we're blowing past stuff, where if God, if, we're, if we become more sensitive to understand God can lead us this way, I mean, how much impact does that have? Somebody goes, I just prayed, and you're here. That's supernatural, but that's what's in the Bible. We're, we're going to read an account right now where these people were just going door to door and they were having limited results, there's a better way. That's just, I mean, people do that, and not so much anymore, but I mean, there's methods where you're basically just doing it brute force. You're just going to just, we're just going to hit everybody. Well, isn't there a better, don't you think God knows who's going to listen, who's going to not? What, if you walk in and you say, I just heard from God, you know, I'm here, and it is supernatural, they understand they just prayed for something and you're there. How much impact does that have? That's supernatural. That already just opened the door for you. They're like, whoa, I, wow. Okay, what do you have to say? Can, can God do that? Isn't that so much better than who are you and what do you want? And had no intention of giving you the time of the day, but you know I'm doing my duty. That's, there's a better way. Another example, Brother Hagen relates, he said, I heard of a similar experience which happened to a group of women who would meet at a church to have a Bible lesson and then would go out and witness to people. Nothing wrong with that. They were more or less going in their own strength. Now, how much of that is there? You can get some results, but we're supposed to be endued with power. It's not just for the early church that, well, they did it. Hallelujah, but we just, now we know we're in 2020. No, that's ignorance. This is for now. This is how you, me, we, we can operate this way. They were more or less going in their own strength and were not accomplishing very much. They had been knocking on doors for a couple of weeks and talking to people, but they hadn't won anyone to the Lord. One morning, the pastor's wife suggested that they change their methods. Instead of reading something from the Bible, praying a little and going out, they, she suggested they read the Bible and stay there to pray, maybe for an hour, maybe longer, until they definitely fe felt led to go out. I believe we will get more done if we are simply led by the Spirit, she told them. The next morning, the woman who had been, pray, or had been praying about an hour when the pastor's wife, or the women had been praying for about an hour, when the pastor's wife had a vision in which she saw a certain apartment house and felt impressed to go there. She took one of the women with her, and when they arrived at the apartment and knocked on the front door, someone inside said, come in. They pushed open the door and saw a woman lying on a bed in the corner. When the sick woman saw them, she started rejoicing and said, I recognized you the minute you came in the door. I was praying at six o'clock this morning, and in a vision, I saw you come in and lay hands on me, and I was healed. The two women then laid hands on the sick woman and prayed for her in the name of Jesus, and she was healed. Doesn't that sound like uh, 
Ananias and Saul. Saul said, he said, I saw, he said, somebody, I saw Ananias, a man named Ananias coming. And same with Cornelius and Peter. This is scriptural. By natural knowledge, the pastor's wife could not have known that the woman was sick and that she was praying for healing. She didn't even know her. But while the pastor's wife was praying in the Spirit, the Holy Ghost gave her a word of knowledge. Now God knew where everyone who was sick at that time was, but he didn't tell the pastor's wife every one of them. He just sent her to one. He gave her a word of knowledge in the form of a vision. Now that's one form. Sometimes the word of knowledge comes by an inward revelation. The word of knowledge can also come by an audible voice, but the Spirit, but the Spirit of God is speaking to you. The gifts of the Spirit operate together. And you can see this. We've said several things where it's like, well, this is one and this is other, but we do that just to, to discuss them. Word of knowledge can come through tongues and interpretation or prophecy. An angel might deliver a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge can also be accompanied by a word of wisdom, as we've seen. But this is an example. Now, we're just getting into this. These, this is the word of knowledge. Things that are supernatural, you cannot know it naturally. Somebody may know it. The person knew she was sick. The person knew she had been praying. You know, the, the Roman Catholic priest knew he had prayed. But there's no way the, the guy knew, and there's no way this woman knew. That was supernatural. That's the word of, of knowledge. That's, how, that's what it looks like. And God wants to use us this way. You can't make it happen. You can't twist God ar God's arm. Notice in the last example, the, the women said, we're going to pray until we're led. See, we're ambassadors for Christ. We're supposed to be doing His work, not doing our own work and trying to get Him to bless it. it how effective would it be if we just said, God, you show me what to do. And when we have a leading, see, if you have a leading, that means He's doing something. And if He's doing it, He's in it. And it's supernatural, and there'll be results. That's a different level, but that takes... That takes us being led. But it's for us. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just praise you. We thank you.